Hmm. Welcome to Aspire. I'm your host, Gregory Penn. How deeply, deeply grateful I am you chose to be with me on this fifth day, Bernat, of January 2018. We barely made it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Every year it gets harder and harder. So, uh, here we are with radio, as you might know, and uh, I'm going to be offering this radio program for as long as we uh, possibly can. We had a very a kind donation come in and make it possible for us. So I am grateful. I really am. I am thankful for everything that uh, people offer and make available to us uh, so we can offer Aspire and this is what we've done. Here's where we are. And I am going forward, you know, and <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I'm so grateful. I am humbly grateful I'm in your life. We're going to be putting out a, a flyer on the uh, website, a little questionnaire. And uh, it will be most helpful if you would uh, read it and fill it out and just send it back to us. So you'll be hearing more about this a little later on in the month. So your donations make this possible, as you know. And without your gifts, your tax-deductible gifts, we wouldn't be here. We barely made it for this radio program. And uh, I am thankful to be here, but we still need people to join our sponsorship program. And it's important because this is how we pay the bills and allow me to be on the radio. And I'm grateful for the the um, 12th hour rally that we had. But, uh, I, <laughs> you know, if you just joined the sponsorship program and... Um, uh, kind of maturated into that and help us pay the bills monthly, that would be a lot easier. And uh, I hope that many of you, you go into that because it will be important in the future. Let's get into the questions, what we're here for. Um, the new series that I'm going to be offering to you here uh, on the internet, on my website, What is the Point of It All?, uh, raises many questions about what the meaning of life is and what the heck we're doing here. And this morning I was reading uh, in the Chronicle that uh, there are many things that millennials have killed over the years, mayonnaise, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, which is fine with me. Um, the, uh, what was the other one? Oh, can tuna that a lot of millennials don't even own a can opener. I don't think I do either. So I can relate to that. Anyway, they were talking about a lot of the things. Hooters, they, they don't go to Hooters. Um, they don't, uh, have sex according to, uh, Bloomberg reports. Um, there's a lot of things that have changed and I don't know what the point of it all with them is. We'll get into that later this year, I think, uh, as we go on down the spring road here and look at the changing mores and beliefs that people have about their life, about what they're doing in this world, the whole kit and caboodle. So I thought that what is the point of it all was a, a perfect offering uh, for the beginning of this year. 
and I think you'll enjoy the series. You can go on the website at aspire.org and take a look at the series. Um, they're really wonderful, uh, as are all the Aspire series. And I believe, I don't know, I think this one won a, a Tele Award, I think. Anyway, here are some questions that came over the past, oh, 12 months um, that have to do with the point of it all and, and the meaning of it all. And the first one comes from Kevin in Las Vegas, Nevada. You're going to get the uh, Oakland Raiders are going to soon be the Las Vegas Raiders. That sounds so weird. Why, Kevin asks, why do you say everything matters in your discourses, in your TV and radio programs? There are some things that just don't seem to matter. Why do you think they do? Kevin from Las Vegas, Nevada. Kevin, everything matters. How you lift a pencil or a pen to to write your name matters. Every little thing matters in our life. And you have to ask yourself, of course, what does it matter to? I mean, what are we talking about here? What What is the matter with us? And I want you to understand that. What is the matter? What are the things that seem to derive the most meaning to us? And why would just how you pick up a pen to write your name matter at all? Because it is the energy that is emitted from doing anything I do that either adds to the collective unconscious and put me back into the collective unconscious, or it separates me. People do not believe in their personal energies, the quality of their energies. It is the quality of your energy that matters. And if you understand the quality of it and how you do anything, how it suffices as a way of building your future, your current situations, how that energy makes for things to happen in this world or not happen, you know, people will say, well, this happened by luck or that happened by chance. No, it didn't. It happened according to the buildup of energy, sustaining the energy that lives within me and the quality of that energy. If I do anything that I do out of the quality of energy of hate and fear of anger, then it's going to show up. Definitely, it's going to show up one way or another. If I understand the energy and the quality of energy that sustains compassion and love, care and kindness, I am using my energies to provoke insight, provoke love, provoke forgiveness. So look at your energies. What are you, what are you provoking? What, what is happening with your energies? Most people's energies have to do with the whole idea of just getting through, muddling through, not really caring about how we do anything because why should we? We think in terms of our energies as being uh, unimportant. Oh, that doesn't matter. Oh, that does Everything matters. I've done it too, so don't feel bad. I Everybody has done it to some degree. But I have found over the years of my life now, over at least the last 20-some years of my life, 
that I need to slow down. I need to watch. I need to be more mindful of everything I do instead of mindless of everything I do. I need to see things for the way they are, not the way I believe they're going. I need to see and realize the nature of my life. What is the nature of your life? What is it that you and I are really doing in the course of a lifetime? What energy am I putting out there into this world? And if I think my energies don't matter, if I don't think that the way I just pick up a pen to write my name or to write a thank you note or even um, clean my toilet and wipe my butt doesn't matter, it does. Because how you do anything in, as we say in Zen, is how you and I will do everything. And how we do everything shapes and molds our life. So if I become mindful about my life, I start looking at my life from a point of view of mindfulness, I start to realize the care that is necessary for the sake of living. And I no longer let my life be a matter of the indulgence of my emotionality, keeping me from understanding the beauty that exists in my whole life. The world didn't get the way the world got, Kevin, the way it is now, by accident. We, over the many, many, many years of our existence here on earth, through the acts and actions of war, of deceit, of murder, of unkindness, of hate and fear, we have built this world. And these energies they, they come together in pockets in certain places in the world. I mean, you're always going to find the Middle East, the Middle East. It's always going to be difficult. You're always going to find parts and patches in America the same way. There is a, a way of thinking in these things that do not bring about kindness and love. There is cruelty, mercilessness. And then there are little pockets where there is kindness. I remember going to the ashram for the first time in my, my life. And it, it was such a different pocket of experience from getting off the airplane uh, where everything was harsh and cruel and hectic to getting into this placid domain of loving care and kindness where everyone and everything mattered and every greeting and every nuance of gestures that people made were there for the sake of peace and loving kindness. And there was a discipline to it. And that's something that people have a very difficult time doing, living in the discipline of being kind. It's probably the hardest thing that people do to live in the discipline of loving kindness but it is a very important thing for me to do. And if you're a wise person, which I hope you are, Kevin, you will make your home, your life, an ashram. And you will do things in that home that are loving and kind, supportive of your heart, your spiritual heart. As I always say, and uh, people are confused by, especially in this world, let love live you. It's very, very important.
Kevin, I hope that helps. Please forgive me. Namaste. The next question. This is from Eleanor. She does not tell me where she lives. Can't anything be easy anymore? Everything seems so hard. Why? Eleanor. Eleanor, part of it is what I explained to Kevin in the form of our energies. A part of it is that overpopulation. And number three, of course, the state of our bias, our behaviors in our biases. We have a lot of bias in us, which means it's a form of a prejudicial thing. And I'm not talking about racial, talking about the bias of our genetics and our DNA. We don't really live a conscious full life. We live the life that is comfortable and comfortable to my biases. And if I'm not careful, these biases become a way of life and they turn on us and they force us to live in the unconscious mind. And the more unconscious I am and the more I live in that unconscious mind, the more difficult my life becomes. This is why it is so important to become conscious. Everything is difficult because, well, let, let's just get into it a little bit. Human nature is a terrible thing. I mean, people think that human nature and being human is really good. It isn't. Human nature is based on a predatory, you know, kind of psychology. Predatory when I am thinking in terms of my DNA and how I'm living in my DNA. In my DNA, my male DNA, there is a, a predatory kind of response to everything. I am trying to gain ground, keep ground, and kill for ground. Given the chance, people will lie. Given the chance, people will steal. Given the chance, people will do unkind things for the sake of their own comfort and their own convenience. That is human nature. I'm not saying that it's an excuse because it's not. We have not evolved. We have not spiritually evolved and we don't care to spiritually evolve. So it doesn't really matter. It's interesting on my uh, Facebook page, if we put anything up there about, oh, you know, something of interest, maybe the Batmobile or something like that, that I do for um, charity, um, people will just respond to it instantly. But if I put anything up there that has to do with deep inner work, uh, maybe a, oh, a picture or I put a, a something I've said in a commentary, a quote that has to do with inner work, taking a look at ourselves and what we're doing in our energies, nobody likes that. The reason, we don't like to be looked at. We don't like self-observation. We I hear people say it's being judgmental. It is not being judgmental. You don't know the difference between judgment and discernment. My biases become my judgments. And the bias that I have is based on the 
predatory ideals of my DNA, as well as my, shall we say, genetic patterns, my forefathers and how they lived. And when you really start looking at it, and you must read the book Behave if you're going to understand any of this and Sapiens, you will understand that you and I live like animals deep inside. So when you do anything in this world, you have to understand it's going to have some kind of repercussion in your life, no matter what you and I do. And that's something we just don't want to see. I'm a teacher of consequence. I teach my students the consequence of themselves upon the face of their own life. And it is very difficult for them to understand this. Very difficult. They don't want to see it. They don't want to acknowledge it. Human beings don't. But the truth of the matter really is whatever you're doing right now, even listening to me here in this satsang, it's having an effect upon you. And whatever you do, whatever you do with this message, however you look at it, it's going to be a part of your future. It's going to be a part of your life. It's going to be a part of your human experience. Things are difficult because we make them difficult. Given the chance, many people will not be kind. Given the chance, many people will not be generous. Given the chance, many people will do ugly, ugly things in the course of a lifetime to sustain their position in this world, in their lifetime, in their need for survival. And that's just how people are. And that's why it's difficult. There are so many of us now. We're way overpopulated. And this overpopulation has an effect on us. It truly does. It makes our life even more difficult. But who can, who can stop it? You know what I mean? People want their little clan, their families. They want the clan. And so they, they can show it off or make themselves feel like they're protected. And if people think they're protected by their families or that they have a, um, wagons to circle, then they're going to do it because they're afraid of this world. They're afraid of life. They're afraid of what they might do. They're afraid of what they will do. So the consequences are there. That's why things are difficult, because of the consequences of our life and what we have done to our living. It's just that simple. So, Eleanor, I hope that helps you. I do. With all my heart, I hope it helps. Get conscious. You're going to have to work upon yourself. I know those words fall on deaf ears for most people, but you're going to have to work upon yourself. You're going to have to see how you work, the way you work, what goes on inside. And I know that it is not natural for you. Most people, it isn't. People who uh, live an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, live for the skin, live as a human being, are not interested in inner work, and then they go off and do silly, terrible things to this world, and there you are. It gets worse and worse because they don't think there's consequences for what they do, but there are. So all I can say is until you are interested in what goes on within you, nothing in the outer world is going to change and it may not change anyway 
but your inner world can change in how you perceive things and you can start to see a more, shall we say, honorable, venerable way to live your life. One where you're not obtuse and that would be a lovely thing, I think. I hope that helps you. Please forgive me. Namaste. Well, we're getting down the nubs here, huh? The last question from Rick. He does not tell me where he lives. After it's all said and done at death, what did any of this matter? And then he goes into how he uh, faced death with a friend of his, and it was really very interesting. It really was. So I want to thank you for your insight on that. That was really wonderful. You know, this. I work at hospice, and I understand your question. After it's all said and done, and you really look at the way people live their life um, and all the crazy things they do, and then they die, and then it all just seems to melt away, doesn't it? And people will remember you for a while, and then they'll forget you because they have their own stuff that they're dealing with. It's all very true. A lot of people look at that and think to themselves, well, it doesn't matter what I do. I mean, not many people remember the heinousness of, let's say, Charles Manson or Adolf Hitler, but they had their effect on our world. Believe me, they did. But now that they're dead and gone, we most of us don't have a memory of Adolf Hitler. I don't because he was doing his thing long before I was born, but uh, I see the results of it. And I see the results of Charles Manson. There are people who literally worship him. So you start to look at things and you start to realize everything fades into impermanence eventually. What is it all about? I will tell you. It is all about love. It is all about coming to the place where you can feel the state of love within you beyond the concepts of your own thinking, the precepts of what motivates you, beyond everything, there is this thing in the midst of you called love. We live soulless lives. We do. We don't live well. We live lives where we kind of think in terms of uh, our human anatomy, our our entity, as I like to call it, and we don't really think in terms of our soul. What is a soul? What What is it that makes it so powerful or not? How do I understand the nature of my soul or not? Most people don't, and they don't care to. And I understand that, you understand that. We live soullessly. And because we do, we create a great deal of mischief in our world, in our life, that causes us unparalleled pain. I answer not to God, not to humankind. I answer to the fact that I am a soulless person. I answer to the fact that in this lifetime, if I'm the average person, I have not developed a soul. I have not entered into the soul. I have not allowed the soul to motivate me. 
to inspire me. The soul is love. It is more than just immortality. That's another subject altogether. The soul is the presence of love in this world, in this universe. And it is as we merge into the soul that we become one with the all that is this lifetime, the all that is love itself. And few people are willing to do this. They don't see the value of it, the meaning of it. They don't know how to sustain it. But I'm telling you, it is the single most important thing in your life. And if you achieve the nature of the soul, you've achieved a great deal. That's all I can really say about that, Rick. I hope that helps you. Please forgive me. Namaste. I'm out of here. Kind of an interesting show about the ending it in the soul and how important that little puppy is. I've got workshops coming up here and the next uh, well the next one will be down in uh, Encinitas I think on the 19th and if you're interested we're going to be working on the year of the soul this year. I think it'll be very powerful. I'll be back on the air tomorrow. Have a beautiful day. Please forgive me won't you? Happy New Year. Namaste. Namaste.